Hi, this is Michael Schenker. You're listening to the Mitch LaFon and the Jeremy White Show. A Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Are you ready? Online. Are you ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Joining us on the phone is Michael Shanker. Brand new record, Universal, available now wherever you get your music. Make sure you go buy it, download it, do what you got to do to get it into your hands. Welcome back to the show, the one, the only, the icon, Mr. Michael Shanker. How are you, sir? Hi, good. Thank you. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. Where are you this afternoon? Are you in Europe? Oh, I'm hiding in Brighton, UK. Oh, Brighton's <laughs> beautiful. I was there, uh, geez, before the yeah, pandemic kicked the up. Seaside. Yeah. Oh, man. We walked down the boardwalk, got some ice cream, had a tea and a cake. Oh, you, you went there, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's beautiful out there. Is it? Is the uh, the big wreck, uh, I know they had like a casino or something like on a dock and it like burnt down. Like, is the wreckage still there? Oh, no, that, that, yeah, no, that used to be yeah, still there. That used to be the pier. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's opposite the Hilton. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, look, let's talk about music. Uh, Universal's out now. Uh, the world's already been able to ingest it. You've had it basically number one on a couple of charts. Congratulations. Uh, talk a little bit about the Thank album. You. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's one of the, you know, I did Immortal and Universe, Universal um, uh, while the pandemic was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got all the, the, the tours got postponed, canceled, postponed, canceled, and then eventually there wasn't definitely no touring and so i started you know the, the writing for unit for uh, immortal and recorded that that went in the top top 10 in the uh, top actually number eight in the in the german chart and then a year later um, you know i was uh, recording another album and this is uh, universal and um, and so both both albums were actually written in the period of the pandemic and uh, we had just started, we did like um, four shows in the UK in October, end of October. Uh, that was the beginning of uh, the first uh, experience of touring again. And um, and now we, we just finished a, uh, a, a uh, was about 14 shows uh, European tour. And that went very well. And um, so anyway, we, we recorded the... Um, you know, as usual, I, I write the music at home. Then I go to, I drive over to Germany and put down my music. And, uh, and then, um, Michael Frost, my co-producer, that's the first time he gets to hear the first song when I, when we push the recording button and uh, he gets down that when he starts to learn, uh, the material I had written. And, uh, that's when he starts writing lyrics and melodies, vocal melodies straight away. And then, the next morning, when I come from the back from the hotel, he plays me what he did the night before, and then I I say and either oh that was great or that's great or not so good and so on, and so we, we basically we continue doing that. The only thing we really have is the music, and from then on we are actually like it's brickwork. We never know how an album ends up. Um, it's just on a daily basis. We, we start building, um, we put down electric, uh, you know, guide drums, guide vocals, quite a bass and some guide keyboards, you know, so that the other musicians and singers and so on, they know 
um, they have a bit more of an idea what the song is about, or the music, and uh, and we go from there. And so, so basically, um, like for instance, you know, he may he may ask like, well, how do you pick the you know the guest the drummers and um, bass player and this and that? Um, for instance, like uh, an ex- example, a king has gone. How that song came about was basically I mentioned that one because it has a lot of different musicians on there. And uh, so basically, I go, um, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Yeah, yeah, we're listening. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll just keep hearing funny noises. Uh, okay, so so I come back from the hotel next morning after, you know, Michael uh, uh, worked on the vocals the night before, and then he plays it to me, and before he played that particular song, he said, oh, Michael, this is, by the way, this is a, uh, it's about Ronnie James Dio. And so, ah, my favorite rock singer. Okay, let's hear it. And so he plays it to me, and I go like, wow, this is amazing. And then Michael Frost says to me, what do you think of, you know, if we have the Rainbow Guys helping us out, so the ones that were um, um, uh, playing with Ronnie James Dio in those days, like uh, uh, Bobby Rondinelli, Bob Daisley, and Tony Carey. So they are fantastic if you think he can get them, and he got them, and so... Uh, that's how they ended up on that song. And then Marcus Steiger, the head of Nuka Plus in Germany, he said, oh, I love this song. I have a great singer for this song. Michael Kiska for Halloween. We said, okay, let's try it. And it sounded fantastic. And so that's how this song came about. And and similar, you know, in similar ways, uh, other songs, you know, there's a story to Universe, how Gary Barden and Ronnie Romero just coincidentally ended up on the same song. Ironically, uh, uh, like uh, two years before, we were getting ready for for a, a big Japan uh, tour, and uh, Ronnie Romero was already rehearsing with us um, and replacing Graham Bonnet because the, there was an issue with Graham uh, as a back, you know, like backup, and uh, right. and Gary Barton. But that was Michael Schenker Fest, and Gary Barton found out that Ronnie was in the studio with us already singing, rehearsing, and he was sending a text message to Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, you are my favorite singer of the new, from the new generation. And, uh, of course, Ronnie loved that, uh, comment and he showed it to everybody at the rehearsal room. And so, and ironically, they, they ended up on the same song called The Universe. Um, you know, it's, it's like Gary was the first singer, Ronnie Romero is the current singer. It's just very strange how they ended up on the same, on the same song. And then, you know, Ralph Sheepers, you know, he did such a great job on the on the Immortal album. I asked Michael Frost, hey, let's get well cheaper away again. And he did it. And, uh, and then, of course, Brian Tichy, Simon Phillips, and, and Barry Sparks, you know, they are, but they are not strangers. You know, they are, I mean, they are absolutely incredible musicians, but they have all been involved with Michael Schenker crew MSG in the past. Like, Simon Phillips was the first drummer uh, for the Michael Schenker group, the first record I, I did by myself right. with Roger Glover uh, producing in those days right. from Deep Purple and uh, and so so Simon Phillips was already drumming there um, he, he was actually playing with Jeff Beck at the time and him and Mo Foster they were doing the first Michael Schenker group album the Barry Sparks he was actually the bass player in MSG in the 90s and um, he's fantastic and he used to play with Dokken and Ingrid Manstein and so on and then we had, uh, and then Brian Pitchy, he was already drumming on our first, uh, on the, my first Michael Schenker Temple of Rock album. 
um, where uh, Doogie White was singing one song and actually uh, Brian Titchy was drumming for the first time. That's already as long ago as maybe 2013 or yeah, 2012, 2013. So they are not really strangers. They are family, but they are still guests, you know. And the main band is uh, Ronnie Romero and myself, Photoshop, Baron Cobois and Steve Mann. And so, you know, brick by brick, we kind of basically don't know at all how the album is going to shape up, but it's just day after day, we kind of, you know, have ideas and we add them all together. And at the end of the day, then we have Universal. Um, I'm going to ask you the two questions. I bought Universal. I have it at home. I have it on CD. I've bought everything you've ever done from the, from the dawn of time all the way back from the 80s. You, you have, of course, worked with uh, Robin McCauley, uh, and he went out and did some shows with you not too long ago. Would you consider doing another Macaulay Shanker group uh, album, or do you really want to stick to Michael Shanker moving forward? No, because I mean it's all it's all it's all Michael Schenker. If you call it Macaulay Schenker or Michael Schenker or Michael Schenker group, it's all Michael Schenker. So it, we have already done Michael Schenker Fest with Robin McCauley. So that's already a collaboration with Robin. For Michael Schenker Fest, and uh, it would never be called uh, Macaulay Schenker again because okay. I only gave Robin Macaulay because I wanted to keep MSG. It had nothing to do with Robin other than his name made it possible for us to carry on as MSG, Macaulay Schenker Group. That was the only reason. So I would never do that again. Um, and, you know, with my current logo, people understand what what msg stands for it stands for michael schenker and uh, michael schenker group and it has various different reminders of you know some people may know msg but they don't know what it stands for depending on you know when they became fans some people um, know mccauley schenker group but don't know ufo and some people know the flying v that belongs to Michael Schenker, but don't know about MSG. <laughs> it's right. Right. crazy. <laughs> but if you, if you put it all together, if, and so what I did, what I ended up doing, I made sure I had the MSG logo on there with a black and white flying V and my name on it. So no matter what generation they are from, they know that it's all linked and it means all the same thing. It's funny how I don't, I don't understand how anybody would mistake you. I mean, like you are the quintessential flying V guitar yeah, player. Yeah, believe it or not, Believe it or not, some people know Macaulay Schenker group or some people know later incarnations of MSG but never heard of UFO because they just became fans, you know, based on a particular song or whatever and discovered me or discovered something much later in life. So they don't necessarily know UFO until maybe they study a bit more about me and find out that way and go like, wow, I never knew you were with UFO, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to believe, but that's, you know, 50 years is a long time. Right. We're talking to Michael Shanker, brand new record called Universal, available now wherever you get your music. I got a question for you now. I'm just curious because you are the quintessential Flying V guitar player. Uh, Dean just lost a lawsuit to Gibson saying that they copyright infringed them. I mean, like, why play Dean's over Gibson's, the, the OG sort of Flying V? What's the question? Why do, why do you play Dean's instead of Gibson's? Oh, because, uh, you know, uh, Gibson never really did anything for me. Uh, Gibson guitars broke very easily. Um, Gibson, you know, was just basically, um, it, 
I never played a Flying V Gibson because it was a Gibson. It was a coincidence how I, why I played the guitar. Plus, I actually later I'm saying it doesn't really matter what guitar I'm playing. You know, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's who is playing the guitar makes the guitar the guitar. It's just people get the wrong end of the stick. They think that a guitar is the. <laughs> if you give a guitar to a baby, nothing is going to come out. Or if you give it a guitar to uh, somebody who doesn't know how to play, it doesn't right, matter me. what kind of a guitar to give to people. You <laughs> exactly. know, but, but I, I, everything that I do happens by coincidence or circumstances. So it just happens to be that um, when I coincidentally uh, played the, the, the Flying V based on locking up my Les Paul and not having the key for it, and I had to, <clears throat> had to have a guitar and do a concert, I ended up with a Flying V and I found out that that particular Flying V with my Marshall had a very good combination and had a sound that I was attracted to. So I stuck with it. Plus, I, um, I, I, um, 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 you stuck with what worked. I, I, I stuck with a, with a, with a Flying V and I started to develop a particular technique because of the shape of it. And so I started to develop a really nice vibrator because I put the guitar between my legs. So the guitar became very much a, a part of me. And over the years, you know, if, if it works, don't fix it. But then at some point, when I, um, you know, in 2004, um, Dean himself came in Chicago and, 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 you know, I was still playing Gibson and he was, uh, uh, g- giving me this, 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 uh, this, uh, V Dean and asked me, here, Michael, in the sound check, at the sound check, and asked me here, can you play it and tell me what you think about it? And I played it, and only John Ross was there, and uh, he played it too. And I, I said, like, it, it sounds incredible. It feels really good, and it's really solid. And, and, and everything about that guitar was really good. Plus, I, then I met uh, Joelle, uh, 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 Elliot Rubinson, the owner of, of, who became the owner of Dean. And, uh, you know, he, he was inviting me to the, the warehouse. And so he introduced me to all the people there, really big warehouse. And so I got really fascinated by how it all worked and how nice the people were. And I had a personal, uh, developed a personal relationship with them. And everything, you know, when I went from department to department where they were putting, it was the first time I had been in a warehouse where guitars are being built. And it was so great. And I was fascinated. And each, each person in that, in that warehouse was a, where they were building that guitar was a musician, you know, a guitarist. And so I just basically, I, I loved the people and, and, uh, you know, and so we worked out something and, and that was it, you know, I mean, everything about it was uh, many, many steps ahead of, 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 of Gibson guitar. Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this. Uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge Van Halen fan. And when you listen to the early Van Halen, you hear Eddie taking parts of your songs. For example, Everybody Wants Some. He steals a little part from I'm Going Mad that you had done on Lonesome Crow. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, your style and, and what do you think attracted guys like Eddie to your style in those days? Well, you know, we played the Starwood and apparently Van Halen was opening up for UFO. I never knew that because it was a brand new band. It was five years before they, before the breakthrough broke through. And so apparently much later in life, I found out that actually Eddie Van Halen was a fan 
mm. and uh, I got influenced by me and actually did some, you can hear some stuff people told me. I don't listen to music, so I wouldn't know, but I can only go by what, by, by, what, by, uh, what people report to me. And so, but I was very amazed when I, when people told me, hey, do you remember this band that was opening up for UFO in the Starwood? And I had a, a glimpse of that, of that um, coming into the sound shake. And there was a band playing, but I don't remember anything of the music or anything, but that was Van Halen, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe under a different name or whatever. But um, that, that was remarkable. I never knew that because to me, it was just uh, another one of those support bands uh, that nobody knew but they were in the making of being big, you know, and so it's quite remarkable. But I heard that people were saying that Eddie was doing some stuff. Um, you can hear my uh, my influence. But, you know, um, later, you know, obviously, Eddie, but hey, I love Eddie's playing, you know. I mean, he's for me by far the best guitar player. And uh, even though I wasn't listening to music, you know, you could never get, a, get away not hearing Eddie Van Halen. He was played everywhere. I mean, wherever you went, you know, and so, so I could never escape from him, and so I, I really, he, he was fascinating. So you became a fan of Edwards then? Oh yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, he's my favorite guitar player. Wow. You know, I mean, from the old days, from the old days, it's Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton, of course, this, all the people that they had an effect on me when I was fourteen years and thirteen and twelve, you know, but later. When I was, you know, sometimes, even though I don't listen to music, but I could never escape Ingrid Malmsteen. He was played everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. And so also um, um, uh, Metallica, I could never escape. I, I went to a boutique trying on stage clothes, and then I heard the whole album <laughs> while I was, you know, <laughs> trying my... So that's, that's, that's how I know about... I, I went to have a tattoo made. I heard Iron Maiden. I mean, that's how I got introduced to certain things that mm -hmm. certain music that uh, that i could not get away from because you know i it was put on while i was staying in that shop for a long time that's how i discovered the uh what's it called the um under uh, uh um uh, metallica song it's a slow song really really good the unforgiven uh, nothing else matters really yeah nothing else matters. yeah the unforgiven yeah, well, the unforgiven. yeah that, that one i heard too and so anyway and so you know, you know. I have to say one thing though, because I don't listen to music. I'm sure there is lots of great guitarists out there, but because I don't listen to music, I don't know. But you know, the people like when I heard Manstein for the first time, I was blown away. I could, I didn't know there was such a player who could play that fast. You know, and then I found out later that he was a Michael Schenker fan as well. It's <laughs> crazy, you know, I mean, really weird. It always comes full circle, right? Uh, Universal Michael yeah. Schenker available now wherever you get your music. We're running out of time. Uh, just real quick, when you're recording these uh, records, are you using real vintage amps or are you have you gone digital? Sega. When you're recording this album, did you use uh, vintage amps or digital? I, I have no idea what my engineer uses. I'm just doing what I do, <laughs> which is all based on how I how I did it when I was, you know, 15 years old, did my first recording, and I carry on what the what the people do and know about what they're doing. Like engineers, I have no interest in finding out what they're doing, how they're doing it. I just come into the studio with my written music, and we go from there. And you Perfect. Play. Um, let me just ask you this uh, last question because we have to wrap up. Uh, on every album cover, if you look very closely, you hide a little tiny scorpion on it. 
Um, talk to me about that decision to hide a scorpion on every album cover. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that came about, really. But you know, you know, the scorpion is the basically the thing is that I actually um, was the one who carried the the, 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 the the scorpions all the way to success because right. I was 15 years old. I did the first. Uh, you know, it's the part of my life. It's a life. It's, it's uh, um, uh, um, what it's part it? of you. The, the, it's part of you. The part of my. It's part, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like UFO, you see the UFO uh, uh, spaceship behind me and a little scorpion there. So no, it's just another way of 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 presenting like what I used to be involved in, you know. But in in general, it's basically you know scorpions and UFOs. You know, I I did a lot for you for scorpions because every mm-hmm. time I made the next record with UFO, they the scorpions they put on their album featuring Michael Schenker from UFO. So I took them all the way up to Love Drive. I helped them out. That opened the doors for America for them. And then they, they were free and gone. And, and, and I did my own thing as I wanted to always self-express and, and do things my own way. And, and that was it. And so basically, yeah, it's the past of Michael Schenker's involvement with Scorpions and UFOs. Yeah, and I love it. I, I I take those album covers and I study them and I try to find where you've hidden it. I I, I love that. I mean, I haven't had that feeling since I was fourteen <laughs> years old. So it's great. <laughs> That's great. It's like a little game. Yeah, yeah it exactly. Is. It's perfect. It's, I love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we used to do that in our bedroom when we were fourteen, and now I'm in my fifties, and yeah. I got. I look at I look at your cover and I go, look at that son of a gun! He hit it right there. Yeah. Smart, I, so smart. I, I, yeah, I talked I talked to somebody else who told me the same thing. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about the Scorpions, just real quick. Of course, they put a new album out this year, and they're kind of getting up there. Maybe one more tour, and that's going to be about it. Do you see yourself maybe, you know, on the farewell tour, making an appearance, going up on stage to celebrate the band with the Scorpions, or are you just like totally over it? No. No way. <laughs> no way. Uh. No way. I I have to keep long. I have to keep a big distance between my brother and me. You know, I, I don't trust him. He is a bully, and and I don't trust him. Right. He has a problem with his younger with his younger brother. He has a, a immaturity complex, or I I don't know. It, I don't know what what his problem is. Maybe he's jealous. Well, listen. Yeah, all I can could say is a bunch uh, of things. Yeah, My, yeah. Michael Schenker should not retire. He obviously, uh, he feels, he obviously feels intimidated that a six, seven-year-old uh, younger brother made uh, became famous, which he always wanted to become, and I never wanted to become and became it. You know, so he, that gave him the extra energy to focus on on becoming famous. I, I have no clue. I don't know how his world works, to be honest. I, I'm not part of it, and I don't want to be. Yeah. Well, all that matters is the Michael Shanker world, because this new record is phenomenal, and you can pick it up now, Universal, Michael Shanker. Uh, you're welcome back to the show anytime. Thanks a lot for your time today. This is great. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so much. An all-new episode of the Mitchell Fun and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.